Hello and welcome to The Lies Podcast. Today, I really debated about talking about this one. And the reason is basically this. Um, it's a toughie. It's a toughie. And I was thinking back to when I was a youth pastor. About 20 years ago, I started in youth ministry at a church. And the youth group had oh, probably 20 to 25 kids attending regularly before I got there. And so our first youth group meeting where I was in charge, I kind of shared my testimony and uh, not just like my testimony about how I was saved, but my testimony about my relationship with my wife. And I talked about dating and I talked about um, biblical ideas as far as interpersonal relationships, boy, girl stuff goes. I talked about um, kind of, I think, an extreme view for many of them, stuff they may have never heard about before. And, um, you know, uh, I didn't kiss my wife until I was married to her. And I shared some of these things, which I think maybe in hindsight were a little too hardcore for my audience. Because the next week, I didn't have 20 or 25 kids. The next week, I had 12 kids. And before too long, I had eight kids. And then there was a time where we had uh, like five to seven regularly. And I always traced it back to like, yeah, I don't think my audience was quite ready for what I was sharing. Maybe I should have started a little bit easier and worked them into it. And so today uh, on on this uh, episode of Lies, uh, I think I might be taking on one that might cost me my giant audience of 10 people. So, hey, uh, thanks for listening today. And what we do here on Lies is we examine the lies that Christians believe. And there's different types of lies. There's lies that we that we tell. Um, there's lies that we have bought into. There's things that we say that I think we know aren't true. And there's things that we've just accepted as true, whether they're theological statements that aren't true, whether they're lies from the enemy that aren't true. Now, if you are listening to this today and you're like, uh, what are you talking about? Um, you know, the lies from the enemy. Now, this podcast is coming from a Christian perspective, a a Bible-believing Christian perspective. And so what we are looking at here are lies that people believe, and we are uh, our goal is to expose them with the truth. That is what I'm going to try to do today. And so today's lie is a biggie, and it's one I have heard many people say to me uh, in the years where I was a youth pastor, in the years where I was a uh, a senior pastor, I heard this lie and its variants many times. So we're going to look at this lie and then we're going to look at some um, some sub lies or variants of this same lie. So uh, let's get to it. So here's the first the first lie. I skipped church, but I didn't really miss anything. Now I heard this one. A lot, a lot of times early in early in ministry, people would say things, and, and some of it came actually from a, kind of a funny thing. My wife and I would be walking down the street, and we would see somebody that went to our church. We lived in a very small town, and as they walked by, we would say, "Hey," and we would say, "Hey, we missed you on Sunday." Well, we were just what we were saying was this: we missed you <laughs> on Sunday. The two of us missed you on Sunday. But what people heard was, where were you on Sunday? Because we were, uh, 
the youth ministers at the church. And so people thought we were like keeping tabs on them. And we really honestly just miss seeing them, miss talking with them. And so we were saying, hey, we miss you on Sunday. And they would respond with things like, oh, well, my family and I, we were doing this or we were doing that. And they would give us all these excuses. And we finally stopped saying we missed you because we realized nobody was hearing us say we missed you. All they heard was, where were you? But there were times when I encountered people that uh, hadn't been in a long time. And I would might say to them, hey, how you been? I haven't seen you. And and a lot of times I would hear this statement, you know, well, you know, we skipped church, but, you know, I didn't really miss anything. I didn't really miss anything. So the key verse here, the key Bible verse that came to mind when I was thinking about this lie was from Roman, or sorry, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews 10, 25. Um, and actually I'll start in verse 24 and it says this, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying is don't forsake the gathering together. Uh, the Greek is episynagogue, meeting in the manner of synagogue, assembling together. Don't forsake it. Now, the hard part for me when I was a pastor was trying to tell people, like, you should be at church. Because it always seemed like I'm telling you to come to my thing. It would be like the, uh, you know, the choir teacher telling the students, like, you should come to choir practice. Well, of course they should, they say that because they're the choir teacher. So it always seemed a little odd to me to be telling people like you sh you should you should go to church. But that's this is what the book of Hebrews is saying is that look, don't stop gathering together. There's a reason to gather together. There are reasons for it. And so we're going to talk about some of those reasons as we go through this lie and as we look at the sub lies. So the first the first one, the first lie that I talked about is, you know, I skipped church but I didn't really miss anything. But here's the question I have for you. If you've said this, or maybe this is you, maybe you're like, yeah, I haven't been going, but I don't, I don't, I'm not really missing anything. How would you even know? How would you even know if you missed anything? You weren't there. You weren't there. How would you know if you missed something? Well, nobody called me and told me I missed anything. No, what you're saying is, I, I, expect to get something from church and I my expectations haven't been met and I don't feel oh keyword I don't feel any different than I did when I was going I enjoyed my morning I might feel more rested I might feel like I've accomplished more I might feel all these things but the statement is just false I skipped church and I didn't really miss anything but how could you even know if you missed anything? You didn't hear God's, God's word preached. You didn't praise the Lord with the rest of the congregation. You didn't talk to other people. You didn't have somebody come up to you and share something with you that was on their heart. Or you didn't get an opportunity to pray for somebody. Because here's the thing. If you say I didn't miss anything, it's a lie. You missed something. So here's the sub lie. Here's one of the sub lies, one of the variants of this lie. I went to church, but I didn't get anything out of it. So here's the problem with this statement. I went to church, but I didn't get anything out of it. That that not is not necessarily a lie. Um, it is completely 100% possible to go to church and not get anything out of it. Uh, just like you could go to the grocery store and not buy anything. It's completely possible for you to go to church and not get anything out of it. So why do I keep this as a sub lie? Because the question then is, um, 
or I guess the statement is, I went to church and I didn't get anything out of it. Therefore, it's okay for me to not be there because I skipped it. I didn't really miss anything, you know, and when I did go, I wasn't getting anything out of it. So here's the question then that I have for you. If you've, maybe you've thought this, is that why you go? Is that why you go to a church service on Sunday morning, Saturday, Wednesday, whatever? Is that why you go to get something out of it? Years ago, I, I, I noticed this. Uh, when I first started as a pastor, I noticed that uh, I would hear, well, I'd hear people say this. I went, you know, I've been going to this church, such a church. I, you know, a lot of times they'd be visitors to our church and I would ask them, you know, where have you, you know, where do you, where did you go before? Did you move here to the new, are you new to the area? Oh, I've been going to such and such church, but I, I just wasn't getting anything out of it. Now, sometimes I believe God does move us from one congregation to another uh, for different reasons, but it always concerned me when people would say, I didn't get anything out of it. And I heard it so often that I made a little uh, sign with a chalkboard or a dry erase board by our front door of our sanctuary. And I wrote on it and it was on there for months. And it said, get, no, <laughs> I said it backwards. Give what you came to get. Give what you came to get. Because I wanted my people when they walked in that door to not come in with this attitude of selfishness and an attitude of I'm here to be served serve me, feed me. Because I've heard that one too. I'm just not being fed. Well, are you a grown-up? Because if you're a grown-up, you should be able to feed yourself, right? I'm spiritually speaking, biblically speaking, like you don't need, you don't always, you, you sh at a certain point in your Christian walk, you should not need someone else to teach you everything. You should be able to start reading this book on your own, studying on your own. If you don't know how to do that, find a Christian you know who does, or grab your pastor and say, hey, teach me how to do this so I don't need you. You know, um, he might be offended, but he might be like, praise God, somebody in my church wants to grow on their own. They want me to stop being the food chewer. They want me to stop being the daddy bird who chews it up and spits it in their mouth on Sunday. Don't come to be served. But that's what so many people do. We come and we sit. I notice this. This has been shocking for me. I'll probably talk about this a lot today. That it's been shocking to me since I'm no longer a pastor who preaches on Sunday morning and leads worship on Sunday morning, but I go and attend. It's It's been so hard. It's so hard to go and to sit there and to to listen and to to not spend my week studying for a message. Um, there's been these great challenges. Um, I often joke with people when they when they you know ask me how I like the church or that church. I always say, oh, you know, it's tough because the church I was at for seven years, I, he was my favorite pastor ever. And of course, I'm joking because I was the pastor. So a um, little tongue in cheek there. So any anyway, this is the statement that people will say. I went to church, but I didn't get anything out of it. So the question is, why are you going? Are you going to receive? Are you going to get? And most of us do. We go and we're expecting to be blessed in some way. We're expecting maybe to hear from the Lord. Um, and so I wrote this sign, give what you came to get. And there was a time at our church where we didn't have anybody to teach our kids. Um, we had some people that had done it for a long time and they needed a break. And so we said, hey, we need somebody to teach the kids. Well, nobody stepped up, so rather than canceling Children's Church, I canceled Grown-Up Church, and we had Children's Church for everybody. The only problem with that was I think everybody seemed to enjoy Children's Church for everybody. 
Uh, and we did that for, I think, six weeks before somebody finally came in and said, hey, you know what? I think God's telling me to teach the kids. And it was one of our teenagers, freshman in high school. And um, and I, I remember him saying, I walked past that sign a couple of times and I asked myself, what am I here for? What did I come to get? Well, I came to learn about the Lord. I came to hear somebody teach me about him. And he said, that's what I came to get. So how do I give that? And he goes, I keep hearing you say we need teachers for the kids. So I'm willing to do that. So uh, that's one of those questions you have to ask yourself. Um, the other thing is you, you may not have, you know, again, my initial lie, I skipped church, but I didn't really miss anything. Um, you may not have missed anything except for the opportunity to bless and encourage other people. See, because here's the thing that I think we oftentimes forget. We go to get blessed. We go to learn. We go to hear. And we say things like, well, I'm, you know, I didn't, I didn't really miss anything. But that's a selfish attitude. That's a self-centered viewpoint. It's, I didn't get anything out of it. So I, I think that's going to kind of lead us on to, um, to the next sub-lie, which is this. Uh, I hear this, heard this, used to hear this one a lot. My best church experiences are when I'm out in nature by myself. I go climb on a mountaintop. I go to the beach. That's where I feel the closest to God. Okay, well, some of that can be 100% true. I feel closest to God. Here we're, we're back to that feeling word. Um, let me just throw a little aside here. How you feel is not always true. How you feel is not always right. And your feelings are not always accurate. Oftentimes your feelings lie to you. Future episode on that one. But the first thing I said was this. My best church experiences are out in nature. But wait, out in nature alone? You can't have church in nature alone. Now somebody will say, well, I feel closer to God. I, I did do my best praying up there. Yeah, you can pray alone. No problem. That's 100% possible. Oh, I can, I, I, you know, I just go up there and I just worship the Lord. Fantastic. You can worship the Lord alone. But you know what you can't do alone? You can't be the church alone because the church is not just worship. The church is not just prayer. The church is not just Bible study. The church is the assembling together of believers. It's the body of Christ coming together. And what did Hebrews say? To stir up love and good works in one another and exhort one another to encourage one another. See, the purpose is not just for me to come and get the church. The purpose is I might go and get, but it's also for me to go and give, you know, over and over in the Bible, we see the, the church described as the body of Christ, his body. We are his body. He is the head. We're the body. And if the church is the body, you cannot have church at home, watching television or streaming the service online. That's not church. That's listening to Bible teaching. That's worship. That's, that's, uh, it might be, um, you might have prayer time. You might be blessed by it, but it's not the church because you're by yourself. Or maybe your wife's sitting quietly on the couch, but are you stirring up good works in one another? Are you encouraging one another? Are you blessing the body? Because if 
the church is the body and we're all different parts of that body. And maybe I'm a hand and maybe you're a mouth and maybe someone else is an elbow. Well, if we're not all there, then there's a problem. Because if you have a hand and you have a mouth and you want to feed that mouth, if you don't have an elbow, that hand's not getting to the mouth. If you have an elbow and you have a mouth and you don't have a hand, that food's not getting in the mouth. If, uh, you know, if you have no mouth and you have a hand and an elbow, you're not getting that nourishment in the body to strengthen the hand. Anyway, the point being that church is not a toe by itself out in the wilderness. Church is not a spleen on top of a mountain worshiping God. The church is the body coming together. You can't have church by yourself. Even if your church streams it online, that's not church by yourself. Another sub-lie, another variant of our initial one is this. Um, I skipped church for a month and no one missed me. This is kind of the self-pity one. Um, and I get it. I get it. Some people feel they're in a big church and sometimes they're not in a big church. They just feel like they're not important. And sometimes they've bought into this lie. Like nobody cares about you. You're not important. No one's going to miss you. I mean, those are destructive lies. No one's going to miss you. Nobody cares about you. I've been to funerals for people who took their own lives because they believed those lies. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to miss you. And at the funeral full of people crying who care about you. People who desperately miss you. And you think like, man, they bought into that lie. They bought into that lie that nobody cares and nobody misses them. When I first became a, a youth pastor, the pastor of my church would go and visit people. Um, that was one of his things that he would do. He'd do visitations. And I had no idea what that was. So I just said, hey, will you take me with you? So I, I went on a couple with him. And one of the first ones we went to was a lady who had visited our church twice. And he said, if somebody comes twice, I go visit them. Because if they come once, they're a visitor. If they come twice, well, I want to get to know them and I want to them to know what we're about. So I went with him and the lady said, well, I've been going to this other church for a number of years. I don't know how many years it was. And she said, but you know what? A month ago, I just stopped going. And you know what? I went, I stopped going for this month and no one missed me. No one cared. Now, I remember sitting there at the time thinking like, what is this game you're playing? You don't, you're not going to, to prove that no one cares about you. You you have this accusation that the people in this church don't really care about you, so I'm going to prove it by not coming to worship God. I'm not going to do my part in coming to bless and encourage others and to stir up love and good works. I'm not going to come and worship. I'm not going to come and pray. I'm not going to join with other believers because I'm afraid they don't care about me. I think maybe you don't really care so much about them. Now, I don't know if that's the truth or not. I was probably being very judgy at the time. But she said, I didn't go and nobody cared about me. Well, here's my question again. And maybe you've thought this. Maybe you've been and you you stopped going. And you're like, nobody even noticed. Nobody cared. Well, how do you know that nobody cared? Because no one told you they missed you? No one called you? Let me ask you a question. Do you do that for every person you don't see in church on Sunday? Do you call every one of them? Do you write a note to every one of them? Do you look for them and say, hey, I didn't see you on Sunday? Because if you're complaining that you didn't go for four weeks and nobody missed you because nobody called, 
how many people have you called? Well, maybe you're the person. Maybe you're the one that calls everybody. But I'll tell you this. If you're the person that calls and checks on people and prays for them and encourages them when they're not there, that will get a hold of them and say, hey, you know, we missed you on Sunday. It was such an encouraging service. I want to share with you some of the stuff you missed or whatever. Or I know you were, something probably must have happened. I just want to make sure you're okay. We missed you. I know that you know, you're an important part of this church or whatever. If you are that person who does that, if you don't show up for four weeks, people will notice. People will notice because you're working as part of the body. When you just go and sit and get served and then you don't come for four weeks, yeah, people might not notice because you have not made yourself to be an active, important part of their congregation. Now, for some of us, that's hard. And I say us because I'm one of these. It's very easy for me to go and sit and be uh, introverted and not be the, hey, I want to be friendly and meeting everybody. It's much easier for me just to go sit. Uh, and I have to fight the urge to just sit there and not make eye contact with people and just go and have my little time with Jesus. But I have to remind myself, wait, wait, am I here to get or am I here to give? I got to I gotta look for opportunities. And it's hard, especially when you're in a new church, you don't know anybody. I've been going through a lot of this myself lately. So um, my point is like this, right? The people that say, I skipped, I skipped church for a month and no one missed me. If the pastor is gone for a month, people notice. If the worship leader is gone for a month, people notice. If the Sunday school teacher is gone for a month, people notice. Because you see, when you serve people, they're more likely to notice your absence. If you're just a consumer, maybe not so much. And the tragic thing is so many people in church go to churches as a consumer. I saw a Facebook post this week uh, on a on a local community group. And it said, uh, looking for a, I'm new to the area, looking for a good church in the local town. Um, must have a great youth program. And I posted on there the following question. What do you mean by great youth program? Right, because they're asking a question. They're saying, who has a great youth program? Well, are, I, I'm asking the question because I want to know, is this person a consumer? Well, I want my kids to be entertained. I want them to have lots of fun. I want them to really enjoy it. Okay, well, are you looking for a church that's going to feed your children's selfish, sinful nature? Or do you want a great youth group where they're teaching your kids the word of God, where those kids are going to be discipled by people outside your family that are going to be godly Christian examples to them, who are going to call your kids out when your kids are being ridiculous, who are going to encourage your kids to walk closely with the Lord, who are going to demonstrate and emulate a Christian life. Is that the great youth program? Because that, that's, that's what I want to send my kid to. So I know they didn't answer. Otherwise, I'd tell you what they said. Anyway, um, as I was as I was saying, it's it can be challenging. Church church can be challenging. It can be challenging. Now, one of the things about these lies, uh, as we kind of digress a bit, one of the things about lies is that when we embrace the lie, there's bad fruit. There's bad fruit that comes from it. And so, when we embrace this lie. Uh, any one of these that I just said, you know, I skipped church and it, and I didn't miss anything, or uh, I skipped church for a month and nobody missed me, or um, I, 
I've, you know, I, I can have church up in the mountains by myself or, or, you know, I went, I went to church. I stopped going to church because I wasn't getting anything out of it. Any of these things. Um, when you embrace these lies, there's, there's negative fruit, right? There, there are negative consequences. There's reasons why God calls us to do the things that he's called us to do. There's a reason that God instituted this whole idea of, of the church, the new, what we call the new Testament church. Um, there's a reason that God, that God ordained these things. He had a reason for it. And when you, when you embrace these lies, certain things happen. Um, here's some examples of some of them, not by any means, all of them. Uh, I used to tell a story at campfires to, to my camp, my kids at camp. And at the end of campfire, the fire was usually burned down and there were these coals and embers. And I would, I would get a stick or a shovel and I would take one of the embers and I would pull it out and push it off to the side. And I would say, look, watch what happens when I take this ember out of the fire. And they'd watch as that red burning coal, sometimes in a rather quick fashion, depending on the temperature, would fade to black. And it's in a, you know, that if you notice that coal wasn't fading to black by itself or in the group, but when I took it and isolated it, it faded. And that's what happens to us when we separate and isolate ourselves from the body of Christ. You know, the Bible says that a strand of three cords is not easily broken. Talking about how three, you know, three together are, are much far stronger than three individuals. But a strand of three cords, when one cord is missing, is a strand of two cords. And the strength is greatly decreased. And when you are the one cord by yourself, your strength is minimal. And so this is one of the things that is one of the purposes of the church is to keep us from becoming isolated and separated from the rest of the body to keep us from having to bear every burden on our own, to keep us from being discouraged because we're not encountered, we're not uh, surrounded by others to encourage us. We're not being stirred up for toward love and good works like we read in Hebrews. And we can easily, when we say, I didn't, I'm not missing out on anything, we can end up missing out on support and encouragement. And one of my favorite examples of this, like the coal, is, a, is somebody, uh, working in a steam train, right? They're in an old steam train and they've got this job and their job, they're the stoker. Their job is to throw coal into the stoker, keep the fire hot, keep the train moving. But the person's lazy. And so they're supposed to put a shovel in every five minutes and they take a little rest and they put a shovel in every 10 minutes, but the train's still going. So then they say, well, we'll take another little rest. And now they're putting a shovel in every 20 minutes, but the train's still going. And then they're like, well, you know, I'll just put one shovel in an hour, but the train's still going. And then they take a nap and they wake up six hours later and the train's barely moving. They look at their clock and they realize they're hours and hours from their destination that they're supposed to be at. So they throw coal in, but the train doesn't start moving very fast. And they throw more coal in and they throw more coal in, but they've allowed the train to get so slow that they are as off course as you can be in a train, they're behind time, but they didn't notice the slowdown. And this is what happens to people when they withdraw from a body of believers. They don't notice. They don't notice the slowdown. Sometimes until it's really, really late. Another thing to consider as far as the, the, the bad fruit is the example set. Right. If you're a parent of kids, your kids will often embrace 
your values, but with different standards, or maybe I said that backwards. Maybe I should say they'll embase your standards, but with different values. I better explain that because that's going to be confusing. Let's say you say, hey, I only skip churches when I'm, when it's a holiday or I'm on a trip or there's some big sporting event. Well, the standard is that church can be skipped. The value is, well, there's only for these extreme reasons. You know, the Broncos are playing or I'm on vacation. Um, but what happens with a lot of times with our kids is they'll embrace they'll embrace the standard, but they'll, they'll have a, it'll be a little different, right? Well, for them, well, I'll go as long as there's not something better to do. Um, and so we have to be careful that I don't show my kids by my action that this is not an important thing. This is not an imperative thing. Now, let me just slow down really quick. You are not saved by going to church. You don't get to heaven by going to church. That's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about is trying to live for Jesus without being a part of his body, trying to do it alone, trying to do it separate. And there are a lot of reasons people embrace it. There's a lot of people that reasons that people embrace this. And we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Another uh, bad fruit of embracing this lie is this. You're robbing other parts of the body. Other people in the body are being robbed. You're not there to share your experience, to share your wisdom, to share what God has shown you, to encourage them, to give a hug, to pray for them. You're robbing them of that because you've made it about you. Now. A lot of times what happens with this is people have their excuses, right? Because they say these things, they say the lie. And then if you, if you confront the lie and say, Hey, wait, you know, wait, you say you're not getting anything out of church. Well, what are you putting into it? Well, then you get the sub lies, the, the, the excuses like, I don't believe in organized. I just don't believe in organized religion. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times, I heard people say that. And a lot of times it was because I was a pastor and right away people are weird when you're a pastor. Don't be weird around pastors. Just act like a normal person. But oftentimes people are weird around pastors. You'd tell them like, they'd say, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor of a church. Oh, oh yeah, well, I'm a Christian. I, I don't go to church because I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in organized religion. So I, I have some questions for those people. Question number one is, do you believe in a disorganized religion? I mean, what are you talking about? I don't believe in organized religion. What they're saying is, I don't like church, which which I can completely understand. I've been to plenty of churches I didn't like. Uh, sometimes it was because I went with an attitude of, this needs to be what I like. <laughs> you know, I'm going with the Burger King mentality, right? The old Burger King commercial, which was, have it your way, and that's what I wanted. Um, that was one of the nice things about being a pastor and the worship leader. I got to choose what the pastor talked about every week. And about a third of the time, I got to choose all the songs um, so it's really easy to be selfish. And some people have been hurt by church because church is full of broken people. The church is, is a hospital for hurting and broken people. And they're, you know, hurt, hurt people, hurt people, right? Hurt people, hurt people. 
It doesn't mean we just say, I'm not going to be a part of that. And so a lot of people, they, they abandon the church and they'll say things like, I don't believe in organized religion. Uh, and so my first question again is, do you believe in disorganized religion? Uh, 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 what do you mean? Well, my next question would be this. Um, did Jesus, did Jesus believe in organized religion? Well, Jesus, Jesus, the, the religious people hated Jesus. Um, not entirely accurate because everybody at the time of Jesus was religious. They, they were in Israel. They were Jews and they were religious Jews. Now they were religious leaders. I think we're going to be clear. There were religious leaders that had serious problems with Jesus. Not all of them, but the majority of them. And Jesus had issue with them and spoke against them often. Um, but was Jesus against organized religion? No, he said, I, I haven't come to, I haven't, I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. I mean, if you're a Bible believing Christian, if you say I'm a Christian, I guess, you know, like, well, do you believe the Bible is true? Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, here's the question then, if you don't believe in organized religion, how could you not believe in being part of a church or a church body when the majority of the New Testament, uh, especially the epistles, are written either to churches or to pastors telling them how a church ought to run and operate? Yes, if you read the Bible, you'll find out there's a whole lot of organization instruction, organizational instruction given for Christianity. There's a whole lot of it. People that say, I don't believe in organized religion, but I'm a Christian, generally have no clue about what the Bible says. Now, if that offends you, I'm sorry, go read the book. I mean, it, over and over and over and over and over, it talks about the church. It talks about uh, loving God's people. It talks about how to deal with problems within the church. It talks about um, things that should be done in church and things that shouldn't be done in church and how things should be done. Oh, all things be done in order, you know, orderly, not disorderly, because here's the thing. You might not believe in organized religion, but the God you claim to serve organized the religion. Now, many a man has caused it to be disorganized, changed the organization, changed it, not done it according to his word, made rules where rules don't exist, and done all kinds of other mess, which I am not arguing against. I'm saying that those things are 100% true. Those things happen. Church can be hard. Again, they're filled with, the church is filled with all sorts of broken and faulty people. And broken and faulty people don't always act in the way you think they should act. There are a whole lot of people that they don't go to church because, here's the crazy thing, they'll say stuff like, oh, the, the church is full of people that just are, they're just so judgmental. To me, that's just, first of all, do you realize that that is an incredibly judgmental statement? You've just passed a judgment upon massive groups of people saying the church is full of judgmental people. Now, there might be judgmental people in church. I've, I've been to some churches where I met some people that I felt were judgmental. But are they full of judgmental people? Well, if that church is full of judgmental people, go to a different one. Go to another one. You will find one that is not full of judgmental people. However, it's a whole lot easier to not go and have the excuse of the church is full of judgmental people. The only problem is wherever you go, you're surrounded by one very judgmental person.
So again, there's a lot of excuses to not be a part of a church, to find a more self-serving, comfortable way. But that's not how God set it up. Because God's desire is not for you to enjoy a easy, soft, comfortable, self-serving little worship service. Because it's not about you, it's about Him. And the Christian life is not about your comfort and your happiness. It's about you being conformed into the image of Christ and you encouraging others to be like Him and to walk with Him and obey Him and to follow Him. And so here's the thing. It's really easy to not go to church and be critical of the church. It's hard to go and be a part of the healing in the church. It's easy to say, I was hurt, and so I'm not going to be a part of that anymore. It's hard to go and say, you know, I was hurt, but I'm going to be part of making it better. I'm going to be a defender of those who come to church that might be under attack, that might be belittled or ridiculed or looked down upon. I'm going to be the one who is, I've experienced that, so I'm not going to let somebody else. I have a member of my family who spent part of her life where she was left out. She was not part of the cool group. She was not part of the in kids and was often left out. And so rather than becoming a person who just isolates herself and sits by herself all the time because people rejected her, she decided, you know what, I don't want other people to experience this. And so when she sees someone left out, she beelines to them. She goes to them and says, hey, what's your name? How are you doing? How are you? And makes them feel comfortable because... She's been there before. So if you've been hurt in a church, if you've been if you've been harmed by people in the church or by the leadership of a church, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm just saying don't withdraw. Don't go and be by yourself. Because there's negative there's negative consequences to the abandonment of what God has called us to do. And he said, let us not forsake the meeting together. Well, what if you've been hurt there? There's another place you can meet. You can meet with other believers. There's another congregation around. Well, what if what if uh, you disagree with their teaching? Well, I guess it depends on how much you disagree with because everywhere you go, you're going to disagree with somebody's teaching. I hope. It's a good thing. As a pastor, I don't want people to agree with everything I ever said. I don't want them to come up and say, Pastor, I agree with everything you say. That's a red flag to me. That says this person's not thinking for themselves because, hey, you know what? I've been wrong before. And I would tell my church that. I would say, I've been wrong this morning. Ask my wife. I've been wrong today. So don't believe every word I say. Don't trust every word I say. But test it by God's word. You know, when Jesus gave his commands, he said, love, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And... Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving your neighbor as yourself is not have it your way. It's not about getting what I want. And so maybe today is a day to pray about and just ask the Lord. Say, God, show me, show me where my mind sets off. Maybe you find yourself just hypercritical. I mean, that's one of the things that I had to struggle with was just being hypercritical of things at church, not, you know, uh, the worship leader's voice is kind of shrill. Oh, there's, you know, our church where I was attending for a while had lasers, you know, like laser lights and shooting in my face and fog. And I was like, this is so distracting. You know, I had to get past that and go like, well, you know, it's really not about my comfort. It's really not about my enjoyment. It's really not about what I get out of this. 
I don't want it to be discomfort. I don't want to be uncomfortable or distracting for others. It is for me, but you know what? I'm a grown up. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. My walk with the Lord is not going to fall apart because there's fog and lights. You know, I can get past it distracting me and occasionally the light shining in my face. Yeah, it's annoying, but and it throws off my worship, but it's not going to disrupt my walk with the Lord. I'm okay. You know, so just pray and say, God, show me if I'm making excuses. Show me if I've been if I've been neglecting the body because I'm afraid of what might happen to me because I'm afraid I might get hurt or because for some people, it's just, I haven't been in so long. And when I go back, people are going to make a big deal about it. But let me tell you this. They're not going to be making a big deal about it. Like, Oh, for now you're back. Oh, I guess you found out that the world wasn't as great as you thought. That's not what you're going to hear. You're going to people see people like, oh, I'm so glad to see you. Not because they're saying, where have you been? But because they're glad to see you. When they say, we missed you, they're not saying, where were you? They're saying, we missed you. When you're not there, the body misses you. Yeah, you may not think you're missing out, but you are. You're missing out on one of the great parts of being a Christian, and that is serving the body of Christ, serving others, being a blessing to others. And you're missing out on a great thing when you're trying to do it on your own. Don't believe lies. Talk to you next time. God bless you.